Viewers, we are very pleased that you are participating with us in this very special discussion, our inaugural session of the season today. The Canadian Club is proud of its rich tradition of providing a forum for leaders in all spheres of society to share their ideas with you. Led by a volunteer group, uh, board of directors, we are delighted to provide a welcoming platform for insightful and diverse perspectives on issues that impact our lives day to day. Through our programs and activities, including our youth and young leaders programs, civic action diversity partnerships, and media and social, so, and media, and social media pro opportunities, we offer you access to dynamic political, business, and public figures from both home and abroad. Before I begin my formal introductions of our panel today, I wanted to provide you just a brief snapshot of some of our upcoming events, if I may. On October 6, join us with Rahul Bardwaj, President and CEO of Toronto Foundation, that reveals the results of Toronto's Vital Signs Report 2015, the annual snapshot of equality in, of life in our city. And on October 14th, Dr. Cindy Forbes, President of the Canadian Medical Association, will be with us to explain the importance and need of a national seniors strategy. To order tickets or to learn more about the club, please visit our website at canadianclub.org. You can also join the conversation via Twitter and Instagram by following us at CDNCLBTO or by using that hashtag. I would also like to take the opportunity to express special thanks today to our event sponsor, Rogers Communications, Inc., represented today by Matthew Robach. Matthew, thank you for joining us and thank Rogers for their support and their generous uh, support of today's event. I would also like to welcome a group of leaders from Civic Action Diversity Fellow Program, sponsored by Borden-Ladner-Gervais Borden LLP and Blair Franklin Capital Partners. Thank you for joining us today. Honored guests, on your behalf, I am delighted to introduce two incredible leaders who again are here to kick off our 2015-2016 season. 2014 was a very big year for both of them. Today, they're at the top of their game, injecting fresh perspective and ideas at decision-making tables everywhere. Ontario's Associate Finance Minister, the Honourable Mitzi Hunter, held senior management roles in both the private and the public sectors before pursuing a political career in 2013. She has always pursued her passion for developing the city's potential by working to ensure fair and inclusive access to employment and prosperity. Mitzi Hunter is a multi-award winning volunteer who has served on the boards of TV Ontario and the United Way of Greater Toronto. Also joining us today is Bernadette Whiteman, president of Cisco Canada, one of the world's leading IT companies. Ms. Whiteman has worked in the IT industry for over 25 years and has held senior roles at Cisco for over 15 years. 
She recently served as general manager for Cisco in countries such as Russia, the Ukraine, and Kazakhstan. And prior to that, she was a Cisco leader in the United Kingdom and Ireland, truly a global leader. She was also named Business Leader of the Year by the organization Women in Science, Engineering, and Construction for three consecutive years back-to-back, beginning in 2011. Ladies, welcome to the Canadian Club of Toronto. Our panelists will now share their vision for the GTA under the guidance of our moderator and a dynamic leader in her own right, Sev Palvedzian, the CEO of Civic Action. Please welcome them and join me on the stage. What a delight for this to be the first event of the new season. Congratulations to Danny for being, uh, for being the, eighth, the new president of this. And, and I was sitting next to Fred over lunch, and he shared that this is the 118th year of the Canadian Club of Canada. So you can only imagine how many people and how many topics have shared stages like just this one this afternoon. And it seems really appropriate that leadership is, is the topic that's kicking off the new series. This topic of leadership isn't a new one. In fact, I think it's been since about the 13th century that leaders have been thought about, cultivated, noted. And in those many centuries, it has evolved as a concept and as what, and what we've looked for in our, in our leaders of those time. In the leaders on the stage this afternoon, we have uh, the new face of leadership, both in business and in government. And so we're going to have an opportunity to ask questions directly to these, to these women. And I invite you as well to write on some cards on your table, some questions that you'd like me to ask them on your behalf. And Lynn and her team will bring those up to me so we can make sure that we cover a wide, uh, a wide array of topics. And just as leadership has evolved in those many hundreds of years, so too has the geographical boundaries by which we evaluate some of these topics. And so we're not going to be speaking just about Toronto this afternoon. We're going to be speaking about the greater Toronto area, which represents about 6 million people and which powers about 20% of this country. So no small feat, uh, and I think we're going to get some great uncovered pieces from these two dynamic ladies. The first question I'd like to ask both of you, and we're going to start with uh, Honorable Hunter. And I'm going to try not to call you Mitzi, but we're going to sp- we're going to You're speak. Gonna call with- me Mitzi. I'm going to call you Mitzi. It's much easier. Thank you. So we're going to start. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to start with Mitzi on this. But Mitzi, how do you describe 21st century leadership? What does that mean, and what's so different about the 21st century? You know, so as you sort of gave in your opening and you, and you talked about leadership is not a new topic, one of the things that I recognize that uh, the Canadian Club has started their 21st century leadership by having three women on the podium, and I think that that's really excellent, and, uh, and thank you for doing that. Um, 
I believe that uh, the challenge of leadership is 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 really um, one of the the most significant challenges that we have uh, in the 21st century. Um, I believe that the um, the issues that we face, uh, the complexity of those issues, uh, and that's not just here in the GTHA, but you know across across the province, across the country, across the world, uh, is going to require uh, a new way of leading. And um, and I think that uh, and and I think as it should. Uh, so whether we're talking about retirement security or we're talking about climate change or we're talking about how do we grow the economy, we have to think about these things in a new and different way. Uh, for us here in the GTA, uh, one of the things that we have to do is find ways of bringing in those new voices, being more inclusive in our leadership uh, so that we can actually have the people at the table that uh, are most impacted by the issue. And um, I know that the work that you do at Civic Action is all about that. It's about making sure that we connect the leadership to the issues and to the problems that we're facing and the challenges that we're facing. Um, I also believe that we, we can't just hold on to what has worked in the past. I think that we need to uh, have a culture that embraces risk, uh, have a culture that embraces disruptive uh, technology, and, uh, and and get comfortable with that. Um, get comfortable with, uh, with things that uh, we're perhaps not as familiar with so that uh, we can prepare this region for, for leading into the future. Well said, well said. Bernadette, how about you? What does 21st century leadership mean to you? It's actually very similar. Um, can I just say we've moved on because I'm not sat on a stool, which as a woman <laughs> is the worst possible thing that ever happens when you walk onto a stage. So we've definitely moved on. Um, for me, there's three big things I know I have to do differently as a leader. First thing is I have to throw away all the old things from a few years ago. I don't believe in the superman, superwoman leader anymore because I'm not that leader. Okay, I don't know everything. So what's really important for me is to build the team that Mitzi just talked about that actually can give me those different perspectives and can help me really think through and us together as a team really think through what we have to do. And that needs to be not only internally, that's got to be externally. So these events where you network are so important. Um, the second thing is <laughs> I have to be able to see round corners. So you can't wait for things to happen. All of these diversity of teams and networks you build, they've got to inform your solutions and you've got to start looking ahead. We have to have the crystal ball. And I think that's a really important piece. And then the third thing is courage. Because once you've got a diverse team, once you're looking around those corners, how do you actually then take action? It's one thing to talk about it. It's quite another thing to actually take the action and the steps you need to take as a leader. Um, I, I think that for me, having a more... I've had quite a global career. I think that's helped me, actually, because that, that kind of stamina to work in those different countries has actually helped me get much clearer about how to make those decisions and how to bring the team with me. So no more superman, superwoman. We need every single person in our team and externally to be successful, and then we can all be successful. Mm -hmm. Well said. 
So we're, we're not changing in phone booths, which is also a good thing. When we think about some of those skills, I like the point that you just raised, Bernadette, around courage. And, and, and that, to me, fits under the character bucket of who we are and, and how we are as people. What are some of the skills that you look for as you build your team, that you expect to see in that next generation of leadership that may have been there before, but may not have been there in such an acute a manner as it now requires us to be uh, in, current, in current days? I thought you were going to continue okay. on. I love the theme of courage. I, I think I think it's uh, it's so important. And um, I know that for me, having transitioned across business into public sector, now into government, uh, one of the things that I recognize being inside of government is that we need to do things bolder. Mm -hmm. So if you're a business and you're embarking on a strategy, make it bolder. Have that courage to uh, rally your team and to really expand that vision. Same thing for NGOs. You know, we can't have enough solutions that you can come up with. Um, your voice is critical at the table. And, uh, and I would say also governments has, has a role as well. So I, I really like that idea of courage and uh, courage to lead, courage to face the challenge, to face the problems, to test new ideas. Uh, but we need the people to do that. And, uh, and it's important that we continue to invest in the skills and the talents um, so that, you know, people can can uh, come to the table and provide and, and to offer those uh, those solutions that are essential. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I'd build on that as well, Mitzi. So <laughs> how many people here have been through Myers-Briggs? Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs. Yes. So I don't believe that if I'm rated as 60 on a thinking scale, that makes me 40 on a feeling scale. I, I just don't believe it, okay? Um, so I think some of those programs and some of those things we've done in the past, they're not going to work in the future to build that next level of leadership that Mitzi's talking about. I mean, I, I'm really, uh, I'm in a very privileged position. I work with a fabulous team. Uh, we have a great human resources department here in Canada, particularly. And we're actually, I'm in a global company, which gives me opportunities to move around. It also gives me opportunities to recruit and bring people from outside of Canada, or in fact from any different country across the globe. Um, I feel here in Canada, the whole team has actually grown because of a few different things we've done. First of all, we have addressed the diversity here in Canada. Uh, we now have 40% of the leadership team in Canada, my team, are female. That's not because they're female. That's because they're damn good at what they do. And they bring a different, fresh perspective. We also have promoted some lower grades into the leadership team because I need to hear everybody's voice here in Canada. The third thing we've done, actually... Um, it's going to take a while, and I, I need feedback and help. We need to get some of the cool factor back into tech, I feel, in Canada. Um, I think it had got a little bit hierarchical. I normally wear jeans, by the way, and a jacket. Put the dress on today. Um, but actually, we had 30 interns with us in summer. Um, the whole team grew because of those 30 interns. 
the energy, the diversity of thought, um, the crazy ideas they had, which didn't turn out to be that crazy, by the way, was just immense for us. So I think as, as a business person and as a large company here in Canada, we're going to do more of that. And we're going to do more of it every single summer. We're going to bring people in, but we're going to watch those people as they go through the system. Um, and we're going to hire them. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't believe in experience, because I do. But it's the magic happens when you get the blend. Mm. And I think that's, that's what we need. Um, to your point, Mitzi, this whole collaboration piece of everyone coming together. So let's pick up that point of collaboration, and I'm going to give a question specifically for Mitzi. So we're living in an era of the constant fishbowl, and as an elected official, you will see this uh, bigger and bolder uh, than anyone else probably in the room. So at a point in time where our elected officials have never been more watched, more judged, more commented on, how do we build those teams? How do we succession plan so that some of the young people that sit in this room who may one day choose to see their name on a ballot, what does the government process need to do more of or less of to, to recruit leadership of tomorrow? And, and what might be some of those attributes that elected officials need to be prepared to have uh, and weather as they enter a new era of service in the 24-hour news cycle and, and through the, uh, the, the public fishbowl that is elected office? Yeah. You know, um, when I was first starting my career, I was in tech. I, I worked as um, the head of a, an, an incubator for, for the sector. And my office uh, was glass all the way around, 360 degrees. Uh, so I do know what it is to work in a fishbowl, almost literally. <laughs> Um, but figuratively, in terms of um, the, the constant scrutiny that we have as, and not just as political leaders, but I would say as, as leaders uh, in general, um, you know, we are in the era of social media, 24-hour news cycles, and sometimes uh, the headline doesn't really tell the full story. But as it relates to um, attracting new leaders, young leaders uh, into this political space, I believe that it's about giving them voice, not unlike what uh, Bernadette talked about with the interns, where you were listened to and you actually uh, were in a position to make a difference at the table. Uh, so you weren't just you know, off to the side somewhere, not, uh, not really being at that decision-making uh, space. So I, so I believe that uh, young people, I tell them all the time that um, you know, my office is open. I have actually um, a program that uh, high school students and others comes through my office at the constituency level in Scarborough Guildwood. Um, at the uh, the ministry level, we have to ensure that, um, well, you know, many of the, the, the people that are writing policy and really driving that agenda are younger leaders. So I think that giving them meaningful opportunities is very important and uh, ensuring that they have a space uh, at the decision-making table. When it comes to taking that step, 
um, having the courage to put your name on a ballot, um, that's actually, you know, where the rubber hits the road. You know, you have to uh, really be prepared for that. I think it's important that you come with some experience. I know for me personally, the experience that I had at Civic Action or working at Goodwill or Toronto Community Housing, being in environments where I had to experience and test my leadership assisted me as a candidate because I was able to relate to the issues that really mattered to my constituency and to be able to say, you know, here's a solution that I can offer to you or a perspective that I can offer to you. So I think it's important that, uh, that you know, people think about the timing um, and the opportunity, but while you're preparing, get out there, volunteer, be part of a team. And, uh, you know, our offices are always, always open, always looking for great people uh, to assist us. Why? Because we don't have all the answers. The challenges that we face as a society are bigger than any one individual. We need everyone to get involved and, uh, and to make a contribution. Well said. Thank you. Now, Bernadette, one of the things that it would seem unites Torontonians and those in the region is our fascination with how the world views us. So as someone who has had an extraordinary career outside <laughs> the 416905, uh, as well as within it, Ukraine, Russia, Ireland, uh, Kazakhstan, the list goes on. Can you share with us, please, um, your sense of Toronto before you arrived last November and you first got your, tip, your toe dipped in the pool, and then how that compares with your view of the region now that you're working here with that experience? Okay. Disclaimer, I'm not a politician. <laughs> you know what? I'd only been to Canada once before I actually moved here to live and work. Um, I'll never forget getting the phone call. I was just coming out of Russia, um, and I got a phone call. I was actually going to go and work in San Jose. I had a, a job with Cisco in San Jose. And I remember getting the phone call and saying, we'd like you to consider coming to Canada, to Toronto, to run our Canadian business. So I want you to remember I chose you. Okay? <laughs> I didn't bear you, I chose you. Uh, I have to tell you, I chose you without hesitation. I chose coming here. First of all, it's nice to work in a, a country that has a similar, if not the same language, a similar language. Um, <laughs> But I'd heard and I'd met so many Canadians in my travels. You are such nice people. So nice. I mean, you apologize. I think most people said sorry to me as their first words, by the way, um, which is a, a very endearing trait. But you know what? Besides and hockey, I'm learning to love it, but it's hard. Um, but you know what? I, let me tell you, what an opportunity to come to Canada, this is the third biggest country for Cisco. Punch well, well above our weight. Uh, I think in terms of GDP, this country is number 11 or 12. In terms of headcount, it's 34, 35 uh, in the world. And yet we run at number three for Cisco globally. And that's because of you. This is such an innovative, creative country. Um, the education system is superb. Um, I'm an Im immigrant. I have to say, in many countries I've lived, that, that's not a good word. Mm. It's a word to be embraced here. I absolutely am proud to say I'm an Im immigrant. 
I'm also proud that you actually let me in after me spending so long in Russia, but you did. Um, (laughs) I did get the luck because I gave my passport, but then I was allowed in. But the opportunity we have here, I walk around with a smile on my face all the time because I feel I won the lottery and I got lucky coming here to Canada. Um, I think your niceness stops you knowing just how good you are, how competitive you could be, and what a position you could claim on the world stage. I do believe that. And I'm not a politician, but I hope I can help be part of the catalyst in the country, that, and along with my team, by the way, that makes everyone here just know how good you are. And it's having that global perspective that gives me that opportunity to see it. Uh, And I think it's often somebody from outside that sees things that maybe people inside don't. So you are better than I thought you were going to be. It's colder than I thought it was going to be. (laughs) But not as cold as Russia. (laughs) (laughs) Or no, it's close. (laughs) Um, And... um, I am just so excited about the future that I think all of us can have here together in Canada. That's great. Well, we're certainly delighted to have you here. And so with that, I question to to back to both of you, please, and we'll start with, with Mitzi on this one. So we are sitting in the most diverse city on the planet in terms of the world coming in. And yet that level of diversity is not always represented, unlike this stage in in all of the halls of power that that line the city in this region. So, you know, the number of chief executive officers named John on the S&P 1500 outnumber uh, all the women combined. And if you, the, in addition to the female representation, certainly in the area, if you're visible minority senior leadership positions, it's about 12.8% today. So while we have made some gains, there's still a long way to go. And so my question of you each is, what can be done to increase the level of diversity across the fold in, uh, in many of these sectors that still hasn't seen change in a big major way? And I think that's a a huge lost opportunity for us. And uh, as Bernadette said, you know, coming here, you know, I came here uh, with my family from Jamaica in the early 70s. Um, Obviously, wonderful opportunities uh, based on our education system and uh, just moving into uh, different organizations uh, because of that uh, created a pathway. But many newcomers and uh, and those who have had the courage to, um, to uproot their families and themselves and to come to Canada and to settle here in the uh, in the GTA uh, are looking for opportunity. They are bringing their talents and their skills, their innovation and their ideas, and we have to create spaces in our organizations that that can thrive. And and I do believe that uh, that that is slowly changing. I think that um, you know we're recognizing that we're in a global context and we need uh, to understand uh, our markets and the world, and, and those spaces are opening up. But sadly, they're not opening up fast enough. 
at the leadership level. And, and that needs to change. So we need to um, find a way to collapse those time frames. We need to find a way uh, to bring those leadership, those new leadership voices uh, to the table and, uh, and to really tap into to really the, the capacity that is there. We're just not exploiting them uh, to the full ex- extent possible. Uh, so whether that's um, creating uh, you know, leadership programs uh, across organizations so people get broad-based experience, uh, they have to have uh, the opportunity to practice leadership and to actually take on challenging projects and challenging ideas with the support of senior leadership. So senior leadership um, needs to sort of look around uh, at themselves, at the tables in which they're creating and saying, you know, do I have all the voices at the table? Do I, am I reflective of my customer base, of my, of my market, and, uh, and do something about it and, and promote those leaders? You know, they have the skills, they have the talent, they have the capacity, they can serve on board, serve in the C-suite level. It's just a matter of opening the door uh, for them to, to be invited to the table. And I, I think it's time um, that we do that. As we look out, I represent one of the most diverse ridings uh, in Canada. Um, over half of uh, the people who live in Scarborough-Geldwood have, you know, have diverse backgrounds, have come from elsewhere. And increasingly, when we look at uh, the future, that is what we're going to see, is uh, a very, very diverse communities, very, very diverse marketplaces, and our leadership and our decision-making table must reflect that. So it's, it's part of our economic imperative that we do that. Thank you. I suppose I'm I'm in a fortunate position because I can choose my leadership team. <laughs> so um, when I arrived in Canada, um, as any new leader would, we made quite a lot of changes. So therefore, I was able to have a very direct impact on the diversity of the team. I'm going to talk about female diversity for a moment, if I may. Um, I don't think that's a female issue. I think it's got to be a male issue. (laughs) It's got to be a shared issue, if I I think further on that. I actually do think it's going to go away, but it's going to take a while. And the reason I know it's going to go away is my son will never, ever... He doesn't think in that way. And I think the way we're bringing up our children and the next generation will change things. So it won't change it fast enough for the future. So the beauty is that I can take direct action now and move things quicker. But in the future, my son, you know, him and his future wife, um, expect to have a shared experience. We all know that children... Are, they have a better education, they have a better life if they have both parents involved. So it's not about women. It's about the shared experience. And it's not, I brought my son up, he didn't think he was doing me a favour when he washed the pots and pans. We lived together, we shared the experience. And I, I think that women are bringing up the next generation to be like that. So I think it will go away in the future. But there are things that I personally can do now as a CEO of a company. Um, And it just makes business sense, as Mitzi said. But to do it, you've got to make sure that your whole organization knows that's the vision. And to get 40% females in my leadership team, we had to look harder. We actually had to look all the way to Kenya. 
to bring a lady in from Kenya, happens to be here today, Sabrina, um, who is not only a female leader coming in with country experience, she's also the youngest director in my team. Um, Sabrina did not get that job because she's a female or because she's well, similar ages. <laughs> Both 29. Anyway, um, but, but I had to look harder. And we've got to be prepared to look harder. Um, and also, we've got to build from the ground up. Um, and it, it's not that you build the diversity because you don't want to work Excuse me, gentlemen, but the middle-aged white man. My husband's a middle-aged white man. I love him dearly, by the way. Okay? I love his experience. I love everything about him. He's my biggest mentor in life. But the team needs to be mixed. And I have some of those people. I have younger people. Uh, in fact, in Cisco, I, I'm just trying to remember the number. I think we have 87 languages spoken across just over 2,000 employees. I am proud of that. Um, my assistant recently had children in, I think we had 30 or 40 children in, mainly from Sri Lanka, India, Pakistan. And my team could speak 12 different languages to converse with those children. We will and other businesses like me, whether it's IBM or it's HP or it's Microsoft, we take a really strong and passionate view to this because we know that's our workforce of the future and we care. I mean, we want to be involved as businesses. So working hand in glove with Mitzi and the government is something, and academia, is something really important to any CEO that I've met. And you know, Canada, that's one of the things about you Canadians. Um, you, just the way that companies do CSR events and weave them into their employee engagement, it's much stronger here than I've seen in any other country. So I applaud you because your, your caring society is wonderful and it gives us a great opportunity to build on. But I also think that it's um, it's imperative to our, our growth and our economic growth. So you know we look at you know women entering the labor force. That was a key a key driver. We talk about you know the, the demographics around baby boomers. But when we look out into the future, you know that's the market. That's the market that we have to pay attention to. And in order to really touch that market and uh, and make the most of it, we have to have uh, those diverse voices yeah. at the leadership level, at the leadership table. And uh, it's not enough just to talk about it. We have to find ways, just as you've described during yeah. Bernadette, of actioning it and maybe working a little bit harder to to find those great people to invite in and to, to give that opportunity mm -hmm. to. That's great. Can I, can I just say something else? I... I... I was reading an article over the weekend that one of my team sent to me. We're opening an innovation centre here in Canada, and therefore we want to bring in small businesses with great ideas. So I, I was actually reading up on, um, on what those entrepreneurs look like in Canada. And a couple of facts now, they're, they're observations because I haven't verified them, but um, I think it was a Globe and Mail article, but 75% of all small businesses are started by females. Now, when you think about the economy of small business in Canada, it's huge. 
there's only 1,200 companies in Canada that have more than 500 employees. So women are starting 75% of small businesses. A very small proportion of those women actually get funding. I'm going to be looking to you later. Actually get funding for those businesses. Um, but two-thirds of those businesses are profitable in the first year. That's amazing. And if we funded those women in those businesses, the way that we fund men, the prediction is we could have six million new jobs in North America in the next five years. I'm going to take some action on that because I'm going to make sure I create an environment where those women want to come to Cisco and we help them. I'm going to work with people like you to make sure we get the funding as well. Um, but I do think there's ways we can take direct action, Mitzi, and you're absolutely right. We have to take a stand. Well, and I love the point of uh, sharing the experience as well because it, it certainly is something that both sides of the family dynamic need to take as a priority. It's, I have two, two young girls, and this is always the time of year where the teacher sends home the attendance list. And the parent that wants to be the lead parent to get all the emails for the course of the year is part of the application form. And it's been fascinating to watch our seven-year-old and four-year-old, over those years, the list comes out, and the, and the gender ratio is actually starting to be more shared. When, when our eldest, who's now seven, first started junior kindergarten, it was 80 to 85 percent mums. And now it's getting closer to 60 and 40 percent. So that sharing the experience is a nice trend in our little uh, petri dish of the, of the Paul Betsy and Wallace household. Um, last question for both of you. Leaders get results. If we're having this question two years from today... What would be the results or metrics that you would uh, be proud to see yourself having achieved? And we're going to start, uh, we'll start with you, Mitzi. No, I, I think, I love that, that there's a, there's a measurement. And um, I'm very visual in sort of how I interpret things. And, and I would say I would see at the leadership tables um, a more reflective of whether it's a gender balance, uh, diversity in terms of uh, ethnicity, race, and of course in terms of thought leadership. And, and we would see that at our leadership tables and, uh, and we wouldn't fear that. Uh, we would hold our boards uh, accountable uh, for seeing that because we are the customers and uh, we would demand that and we would see that at, uh, at the board level. Um, also at the political level uh, that we would start to see uh, a change uh, in in much more um, leadership that reflects uh, the population that is there. I know that one of the things that I was able to do as, uh, as a new uh, MPP was introduce a private member's bill on ranked ballot for municipal elections. And, uh, and I'm very pleased to see that we are now uh, taking steps to, uh, to give municipalities the opportunity to do that right across Ontario so that our elected uh, leaders are more reflective of the people uh, who vote for them and that they truly do have uh, that majority support of the population when they, they take on those roles as councillors and mayors and, um, and different uh, leadership roles. So I, I would want to see that change mm -hmm. when I walked around um, the boardrooms and the offices uh, of our, our corporate space. Good for you. We look forward to seeing it too. Bernadette. I suppose um, digitization is something that's, uh, as a technologist, is very close to my heart. Um, I, I have a concern. Toronto is always voted as one of the best cities globally. However, 
There are reports that are sat out there now, we can all go and read, that says that the 20 top cities today are unlikely to be the top 20 cities in the next 5 to 10 years. If we don't start now embracing digitization and building the infrastructures, we won't attract those people that we need, that diversity, those great, great leaders. They won't be coming to Toronto unless we start on this journey now and we become the city that everybody wants to come to. So success would be for me that we are, well, it'd be nice if we were number two in Cisco instead of number three, by the way. I would take the UK. That'd be a good thing. Um, But I really would like to see Toronto embracing those things in the way that I've seen some other cities embrace them. I don't want us to get left behind. So working with Mitzi... Um, and Mertori and with the actual Kathleen and the rest of the team, I really hope we can build that future where we attract the leaders of the future. Well said. That's great. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it a round of applause. (laughs) Wonderful afternoon. This is our future of leadership, and the future looks bright. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Fred Mifflin, and I am a director of the Canadian Club. I want to extend my sincere thanks to today's panelists for sharing their ideas and insights about the future of leadership in the GTA. Minister, Ontarians are closely following the Provincial Retirement Pension Plan initiative that you head, and Bernadette, your commitment to innovation and global IT leadership is welcome here in Canada, even if your accent is a little different. (laughs) Sev, thanks very much for skillfully navigating such an interesting and engaging discussion. It is clear from your energy, your commitment to your communities, and your dedication to creating opportunities for people to flourish that you will not only propel the GTA forward, but also help pave the way for the next generation of bright future leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure that you will agree with me when I say that the GTA is in great hands with leaders like these at the helm. Thanks so much for joining us today and best wishes for your continued future success. I would like to echo Fred's comments. Earlier on, we talked about the mission of the club, which was to provide an open and diverse platform to talk about things that matter to us today. And I think today, these leaders showed us that the progress that we're going to see is going to be purposeful because we have people with vision, people that have courage and boldness that will help us and guide us through those things that matter in our daily lives. Thank you again. Before I adjourn today's meeting, I'd like to draw your attention to the event survey card on each of your tables, this card here. The Canadian Club is always looking forward, uh, looking for ways to improve our experience, so please take a minute to share your thoughts with us, including whether you've enjoyed our new shortened luncheon formats. We very much appreciate your ideas. This concludes our program today. 
which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We'd like to thank MediaEvents.ca, Canada's online event space, and the VVC for live streaming of today's events. We are also grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of the Canadian, event, Canadian Club events and also for Rogers Communications, Inc. for its generous sponsorship of today's event. And to learn more about the club, please vis visit us at www.canadianclub.org. Thank you all for joining us today. This meeting is now adjourned.